0: Welcome to the American Institute of Stress podcast, Finding Contentment. The goal of this podcast is to bring you information about stress and stress management techniques. While we know that stress is a very personalized issue and different for everyone, we hope to help you find your own way to contentment. Greetings, everyone. This is your host and executive director for the American Institute of Stress, Will Heckman. Thank you once again for joining us, and if you've been listening to our past shows, welcome back if you have not, for those of you joining us for the very first time. These podcasts focus on stress and also stress-related issues. So please remember to follow us at stress.org and send in those reviews and comments. I love hearing from you guys. Um, By the way, if you are stressed, and you do not know where to start on your journey to just feeling better. Well, AIS has an easy, confidential online self assessment tool called the Stress Mastery Questionnaire. It's the SMQ. You can take a quick online self assessment and receive personalized feedback on your stress risk scores. It comes in a form of an easy, to follow one-page personal stress profile. That's followed by a detailed nine-page stress report and a 66-page Stress Mastery guide and workbook. So all you need to do is go to stress.org and look for the Stress Mastery questionnaire. Also, by the way, while you're at stress.org, the newest edition of Contentment Magazine is out. And it's available for free. All you have to do is go to stress.org, click on the magazines, and make sure that you read the article about this podcast. All right, so today, you know, because of the COVID-19 virus, social unrest, the election, and the rest of the normal things we have to deal with on a daily basis, like returning to school and work, the whole country and the world are feeling higher levels of stress and anxiety. And right now, those levels are extremely high. And we also know that stress is very contagious. So the more and more people that are feeling the effects of everyone else's stress, as well as our own. And while we recognize that the virus and the other challenges I mentioned are very important, I think we are not thinking about what the stress from these events can do to our long-term health. You know, when this crisis is over, and it will end, I'm concerned that the health effects from the stress that caused may be with us for many years to come. The impact it is having on people, well, it's many layers. How stressed are we? There's really no way to say. There's no systemic research that I know of. So most of the fear and stress we hear about is, is mostly observational. But I think it's safe to say that the stress levels are much higher than normal. You know, at the American Institute of Stress, we often get asked about stress and its multiple effects on the mind and the body. And the question that seems to come up very often is how stress affects sleep. Because as we all know, it's hard to get a good night's sleep when you're stressed out. You know, in my opinion, sleep deprivation is one of the most common problems in our society. Insufficient sleep robs us of the ability to feel alert and rested. It can ruin your whole day and so much more. Research shows that sleep loss can have a negative effect on our physical health, our mental well-being. can cause memory problems. Of course, it affects our mood. We have all experienced an occasional bad night. but But when it becomes a persistent problem, it needs attention. The chronic sleep-deprived state can result in a range of problems. It can be something as little as just feeling very clumsy that day. It also could be a much bigger problem. It can lead to a physical disease issue as your body has to struggle to repair itself. So how much sleep do we need? Well, The National Sleep Foundation recently reached a consensus from different experts in sleep, anatomy, and physiology, as well as pediatrics and neurology. They recommended sleep durations for different ages, starting from 14 to 17 hours for newborns, also 9 to 11 hours for children 6 to 13 years old, 8 to 10 hours for teenagers, good luck with that one. And for you and I, people over the age of 18, They recommend we get seven, eight hours sleep. I know a lot of adults right now are saying to themselves, I can't even remember when I got a good eight hours sleep. I know how you feel. A new study led by a neuroscientist from Stanford University has honed in on the specific brain circuit responsible for stress-induced insomnia. Their research also suggests that the same circuit that is responsible for stress-related insomnia also can cause immune system dysfunctions. Today, we're going to be joined in speaking to Dr. Shibin Lee. Shibin did his Ph.D. work at the Max Planck Institute for Medical Research in Heidelberg in Germany. Then he moved to Stanford University to join a lab led by Professor Lewis. Dr. DeLicia uh, has pioneered the work on hypocretin, and Shibin has been the author of reviewed research articles on neuroscience and sleep. And currently, he's working at Stanford University as a research scientist. Jimena is working on sleep modulation under stressful conditions. His ultimate goal is to clarify how the brain modulates sleep, particularly under stress and during aging, and, of course, to help develop effective treatments for sleep disorders. Recently, he was the lead author of a research article titled Hypothalamic Circuitry Underlying Stress-Induced Insomnia and Peripheral Immunosuppression, which was published in Science Advances earlier this month. So please join me and welcome Dr. Lee Shibin. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today.
1: Thanks for the nice introduction, Will, and uh, thanks for having me.
0: You know, before we even get started with questions, I have to tell you that I get asked all the time about, hey, what do we do about, the stress is killing my sleep, I can't sleep. So it comes up so often, I'm guilty of it myself, not being able to sleep because of the stress. You have been involved in many scientific research studies. But I wanted to ask you to, if you could tell us how you first got interested in the science of sleep.
1: Yes, uh, that's a very interesting question. So. Uh, Sleep occupies uh, one-third of one's lifetime, and a good night's sleep is vital for survival. Understanding how the brain controls sleep is among the most fascinating research topics for me. Uh, My first exposure to sleep research actually was in my graduate school in the Max Planck Institute. Um, I worked on a project studying the dopaminergic modulation of synaptic plasticity and the local neural network activity in freely moving mice. And to do this, I need to record the behavioral status of the animals. So by placing electrodes in the mouse brain, I was able to record the local field potential or electroencephalograms, so-called EEG, if the recording electrodes are placed close to the brain surface uh, to determine the behavioral status of the animal. Back then, my research focus was uh, synaptic plasticity, but I was always wondering how the brain controls sleep week transition. So uh, I applied to join Dr. Delacia's lab at Stanford, which is focusing on sleep research for my postdoc training. Now, when my friends introduce me to new friends, I immediately get a lot of questions around sleep. When oh, they right. know I do sleep research, yeah. This makes me think about my research is really valuable to human health, and this really motivates me to further, to further understand how the brain controls sleep.
0: You know, out of all the scientific research, you know, we, we talk a lot about different effects stress can have on your body. We talk about exercise. We talk about eating. You, you cannot exercise and you can eat junk food for the rest of your life. Everyone has got to sleep. Sooner or later, you have to sleep. And if your sleep is negatively affected by your stress, you've got a problem and it's, it needs to be addressed. Your research... Um, also suggested that the same brain circuit that is responsible for stress-related immune system dysfunction also points to a close relationship to stress and insomnia. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That was surprising.
1: Yes, yes. Um, So in our recent study, we used uh, mice to study a potential neurocircuitry underlying stress-induced insomnia or hyperarousal and alteration in immune function under stress. So in this study, we found uh, the restrained stress leads to hyper associated with strong activation of corticotropin-relieving hormone, the so-called CRH, um, in the periventricular nucleus or the hypothalamus and the hypocritin neuron in the lateral hypothalamus. So we first uh, restrained the animals with the restrained tube and we did antibody staining against the c-fos. Um, the c-fos is an immediate early gene, um, so its detection of this gene uh, or this ex- expression actually indicates neuronal activity. So, with this behavioral paradigm, the restraint paradigm, we know that the stress node in the brain, the PVN CRH neurons, um, is activated. Uh, activated, and uh, the Hypocritic neurons which had established the role in switching the brain from sleep to wake also got activated. So this um, really give us some hints about uh, uh, the stress uh, can trigger the activation um, of this stress circuit and uh, eventually um, cause um, the activation of the sleep arousal transition neuronal activity. Um, and uh, we had this hypothesis and we conducted experiment and the later on we also used uh, the viral tracing strategies. So we inject uh, some uh, 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 modified virus uh, uh, to target the hypercritic neurons and we found actually these stress neurons in the PVN um, the CRH neurons actually directly innervate the sleep-to-wake transition neurons, um, and uh, later on we also used uh, other strategies like uh, optogenetic methods, fiber uh, photometry to either manipulate these neurons' activity to check the behavioral status change during sleep, and. Uh, with with the fiber photometry, we were monitoring this neuron's activity. The stress neurons actually during natural sleep to weak transition, they did not change much in activity. But the sleep to weak arousal sleep uh, the neurons control sleep to weak arousal transition, the hypocretin neurons, they do fare a lot when there's sleep to weak transition and during active wake- wakefulness. So uh, this, furthermore, implies, okay, the stress actually really plays an important role, kind of like a boosted activity of the sleep to around the transition neurons. Yeah, um, and we also use the uh, transgenic methods uh, and uh, genomic uh, modification methods, gene editing methods, CRISPR-Cas9, which is a very um, hot research technique recent days uh, to either, you know, uh, modify or manipulate... Uh, the gene expression in the in each uh, circuitry from the stress node to the sleep to a to wakeful transition node, and later on we also did experiments uh, to check like uh, by manipulating these nodes whether sleep to uh, wakefulness, uh, sorry, actually the latency for the animals to fall asleep under stress will be changed or not, and very surprisingly we also found if we uh, disturb the Either node of this circuitry, we found after the restrained stress, the latency to sleep onset actually significantly reduced. So this work kind of strongly implies this circuitry plays a very important role mm. in sleep arousal transition, particularly under stress. Um, and uh, we did uh, uh, also the the uh, investigation of the immune factors by manipulating this stress circuit. We found. Uh, the immune function kind of like broadly uh, uh, inhibited or we call it immunosuppression in this condition. And uh, really with uh, our studies kind of suggesting um, uh, under stress, uh, your brain not only kind of get troubles in sleep to w- uh, week for transition controlling, but also impacts your immune system, make you weaker, more vulnerable to uh, germs threats.
0: All the people out there right now who are worried about the virus and are stressed out and can't sleep are actually hurting their immune system by not sleeping, which makes them more worried about the virus. And can, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible merry and they can't get off. That's very interesting. When we, it's another question that I, yep. I can answer about why sleep is so important. You know, because it also, without it, your immune system gets suppressed. You know, when you study. You also spoke a little bit about something about hypoarousal, uh, which is hypoarousal insomnia. Can you explain what, what you meant by that, what that is? Uh,
1: yes. So we actually call it hyperarousal, uh, the of hypo, so meaning uh, oh, okay. like a heightened level. Yeah. So... Uh, usually, insomnia is defined uh, by the presence of individuals' reports of difficulty with sleep. For example, um, in sleep uh, survey questionnaires, insomnia is defined by a positive answer to either question, um, do you experience difficulty sleeping, or do you have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. In the sleep literature, uh, insomnia is sometimes used as a term to describe the presence or Polysomnographic evidence of disturbed sleep, Your, you know, the EEG recordings basically, uh, like a gold standard in the in the sleep research field. Thus, um, the presence of long sleep latency or frequent uh, noctural, uh, nocturnal awakenings uh, or prolonged periods of wakefulness during the sleep period or even frequent transition uh, arousals are taken as evidence of insomnia. So, hyperarousal refers to the really kind of, in my study actually, Kendall, um uh the synonym of insomnia, refers to this elevated resistance level, which is really beyond the normal conditions. And in the psychiatric study, uh, hyperarousal is a specific cluster of symptoms associated with post traumatic stress disorders, so called PTSD. And okay. um, yeah, at the name implies hyperarousal is an uh, abnormally heightened state of anxiety that occurs whenever you think about a traumatic event?
0: We, t- we talk a lot about PTSD. In fact, um, at Stress.org, we dedicate a, uh, an entire magazine to uh, combat vets and first responders. And PTSD is a subject we talk about a lot of times. And one of the, the issues that people who suffer from PTSD have is sleep. It's a very common issue. Um, so I'm glad that you guys are uh, looking into that. If we can help them in any way, I, I'm always happy. All right, I have what you might think is a silly question, but <laughs> it, it, it just occurred to me and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to ask. I know that mice are used in research all the time. I, I've seen it done, you know, in nice little, like, little lab mice. In, in your study at Stanford, you even mentioned that you used mice in your research. Um, how did you use mice to to study sleep? Do they sleep the same as we do?
1: Uh, that's a very interesting question and uh, so in basic research um, uh, the researchers use a variety of um, different species to uh, study topics they are interested in it really depends on like what questions they want to answer. So and firstly uh, to answer your question uh, regarding like whether the mouse, they have like a similar sleep pattern with uh, humans. The the most di- significant difference between the sleep pattern um, of mice and uh, humans actually is they have like a reversed uh, uh, sleep-week cycle with humans. So humans are active awake most of the time during daytime and fall asleep um, uh, when light is off or during night. And the mice, because um, in the wild, they need to avoid... Um, uh, the predators uh, or risks, so um, they develop uh, opposite circadian rhythm. Right. So, so most of the predators are, uh, may be active during the daytime. So they sleep most of the time during the light phase, namely, you know, in the presence of light, uh, they sleep most of the time, and during nighttime, uh, they are active. So they have like uh, the opposite uh, pattern with human sleep patterns. Um, so. Uh, th- they are very crucial for allowing scientists to learn more about human biology and health and for uh, developing new medicines. For example, uh, experiments involving animals greatly benefit development of vaccine antibodies, understanding of the pathology of cancer, um, heart failure, psychiatric disease and uh, neurodegeneration, including the Ar- including the including Alzheimer's disease during aging. In the neuroscience field, there are many neurotransmitters used by the rodent brain and the human brain actually are very similar, or sometimes even identical. This offers the possibility that understanding the basic principles of how a mouse brain works actually may inform or benefit uh, the exploration of the unknown or human brain, and eventually further develop treatments for brain disorders, including sleep problems.
0: You, you mentioned something that's uh, <clears throat> very important to old guys like me. You mentioned that you're able also to, to, to study the effects of, of aging.
1: Uh, right. Uh, okay, yeah, well, that's well, another topic the lab is very interested in.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. You know, a lot of guys my age are interested in it too, and I hear this all the time, that as we get older, sleep is a problem. Um, somebody even told me, oh, as you get older, you need less sleep. Really? I haven't experienced that myself yet, but let me know when, when that kicks in. But can you, can you give me an easy explanation of why age directly affects our sleep? You heard me at the beginning of the show say uh, the National Sleep Foundation recommended different amounts of hours depending on your age. When you, when you get older, it's, it, it seems harder to sleep. Maybe it's just personal observation. But a lot of people have told me that. How does age directly affect our sleep?
1: Uh, Thanks, Bill. That's a very, very good question. So uh, really, the sleep architecture is changing a lot during aging, And uh, some changes are associated with age-related disease. And along with the physical changes that occur, as we get older, changes to our sleep patterns are a part of the normal aging process. As people age, they tend to have a harder time falling asleep and uh, more troubles staying asleep than when they were younger. It's a common misconception that sleep needs decline with age. Actually, that is not true. It's th- 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 the I older people. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, the uh, research demonstrates that our sleep needs remain kind of constant throughout the uh, Adulthood. So, what's keeping the serious um, uh, seniors awake and changing in the sleep or our sleep, uh, changing changes in our independence of our sleep, uh, what specialists call the sleep architecture, um, occur as people age and uh, this may contribute to sleep problems. Sleep occurs in multiple stages, including uh, dreamless periods, lights um, and uh, of light and uh, deep sleep, and the occasional periods of active dreaming, the so called REM sleep. Uh, sleep cycle is repeated several times during the night, um, although the total time tends to remain constant. Older people spend more time in the lighter stage of sleep than in the deep sleep. So there's kind of like more alternations between sleep and wake in elderly than in younger people. Uh, is that, is
0: that just crossed my Tolymers are shorter. I mean, it's just I got a lifetime of worries of me behind <laughs> me.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, people are still working on the mechanism underlying this. The more sleep fragmentation, if you need to get up more times during the nighttime on the uh, second day, you usually feel more tired, right? But scientists really don't understand why it's like this. So that's why we are interested. We want to. Figure out what the problem is. Yeah, and, well, speaking uh, for
0: all the old guys, hurry up and find out
1: the answer. <laughs> we're old. And, hmm. We are still working on it, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can make uh, some progress in the near future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. please uh, please yes. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I have something to add to this topic. Because this oh. is very important, and the people are interested in uh, this topic. And uh, many older adults, though certainly not all. Uh, also report being less satisfied with sleep and more tired during the day, and studies on sleep habits of so older Americans show a longer sleep latency uh, or an in increase in the time to take it takes to fall asleep, and an overall decline in REM sleep and an increase in sleep fragmentation. And the prevalence of sleep disorder also tends to increase with age. And in addition to the changes in sleep architecture occurs as we age, other factors uh, affecting sleep are, the circadian rhythm that coordinates the timing of our bodily function including sleep. For example, older people tend to become sleepier in early evening and wake earlier in the morning compared to younger adults. This pattern is called uh, advanced sleep phase syndrome. Um, The sleep rhythm is shifted uh, uh, forward so that seven or eight hours of sleep are still obtained but the individual will wake up extremely early because they have gone sleep quite early. The reason for this changes in sleep and circadian rhythm uh, as we ate is not clearly understood. Yeah. Uh, You know,
0: I was wondering, um, and I don't know if there's really an answer to this, but it, it seems like as people get older, they also feel sleepier during the day, during the daylight hours. Um, I, I was wondering if that ha- had anything to do with the inability to sleep at night, or is it just that, like you said, the rhythms are just off?
1: Well, the mechanism underlying that is not fully understood, uh, to my knowledge, um, I think uh, there might be some, tra- some contribution because the poor sleep quality during night. Because in animal studies, we um, saw a phenomenon like uh, if we sleep-deprived the animal, uh, we really see a sleep rebound following that sleep deprivation so this kind of like a similar conception uh, for that but uh, the mechanism is not fully understood uh, to my understanding yeah
0: I, w- I was wondering if you know if you slept seven hours a night and took an hour nap during the day is that equal or uh, is it just better to get eight hours sleep at night
1: i think anything you can do to make you feel better uh, that is beneficial for your body, for sure.
0: <laughs> yes. Perfect answer. That's exactly right. <laughs> and you're speaking of making you feel better.
1: All uh, right. Um,
0: when, when we don't sleep, we talked about the, the, uh, the effects on our immune system and our uh, mental health. Talk a little bit to us. Tell, tell our listeners some of the negative physical and mental effects that happen when you have sleep deprivation issues.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, indeed, uh, sleep deprivation has deleterious effects on both physically and mentally. Uh, if you have ever spent a night tossing and turning, you already know how you will feel on the next day. You will more likely be tired, cranky, and all sorts. It really drains your mental abilities and puts uh, your uh, physical health at risk. But missing out the recommended seven to nine hours of uh, closed-eye uh, nightly. That's more than uh, make you feel groggy uh, and uh, grumpy. The long term effects of sleep deprivation actually are real. And Science has linked the poor slumbers with a number of sleep problems, uh, from weight gain to a weakened uh, immune system. Uh, physically, sleep deprivation weakens the immune system. Your immune system uh, defense against the wearers, including that causing common cold and the flu. Uh, in other words, you are more vulnerable while you are exposed to these germs. It may also increase the risk for diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, weight gain, and heart disease. And mentally, um, it will impact the brain's performance in general. For example, uh, you may have memory issues. You may perform much better in examination after night or good sleep, but not tossing and turning night on bed. You may also have trouble uh, with thinking and concentration. You may realize that your ability in problem solving is compromised after poor sleep. Sleep deprivation can also make you more emotional and quick-tempered. Chronic sleep deprivation may even lead to anxiety and depression, which may exacerbate without proper treatment. Yeah, uh, that that's, is that, something you know, really very interesting.
0: Mm. Uh, I, I had a job many, many years ago where I had to do a rotating shift. Days, then evenings, then nights. And when you would shift those... Schedules, you would become sleep-deprived. There was no way around that you could go from day to evenings to nights and changing your sleep cycles weekly. I was a police officer. All the things you talked about, how it affects your emotion, your mental capacities, all those things, your physical well-being, all those things are so important to a police officer. And to show that guys like you, scientists like you, Have made such great advancements that they're starting to do away with that, and they found that it's even better to have you straight nights instead of going from day to night and disrupting sleep cycles. So the work you scientists are doing um, really do make a difference, and they really do have an effect on the average person. I think people out there who have different jobs like nurses and doctors who, who are sleep deprived when we really think about that how important is it for your doctor to be <laughs> the guy that's about to stick a needle in you or worse to not be sleep deprived I'd like him to be making good judgments so mm-hmm. the scientists like you who are doing research into sleep they can't put a price tag on it it's invaluable I also know That um, a lot of people treat their sleep with many different ways. I myself just started taking uh, melatonin. I figured, okay, can't hurt, tastes good, it's a gummy bear. (laughs) My wife gave it to me, she said, Here, take this. She's a lot younger than I am. And I know that you are interested, we're running out of time, so I want to make sure we get to this. I know you're interested in developing effective treatments for sleep disorders. And I, I know a lot of people will reach for a drug or pharmaceutical to help them sleep. But is there anything our listeners can do to help with their stress-related insomnia that you you can suggest?
1: uh, Yeah, I'm actually, I'm a basic research scientist. Uh, I really have very limited knowledge on the clinical practice in stress-related insomnia. So what we do here actually is try to understand how the basic principles, uh, how the brain modulates sleep or wake or, you know, uh, under stress conditions or during aging so all all this basic knowledge actually will inform us more um, about uh, maybe uh, there's a similar principle uh, how the brain work a human being um and uh, some neurotransmitters like i said before are really the same or very similar in you know, even among different species. So the knowledge we gain from basic life research actually can greatly help with develop effective treatment for human beings. So actually that's really the the, the aim of basic uh, research. Um, But from my study, um, I would suggest uh, not to activate the stress circuit before sleep time. In other words, try not to leave something very important but stressful to do until the last minute before sleep, like preparing for very examine, uh, very important examination on the following day. Because this will trigger your stress circuit activity, eventually leads to hyper insomnia, very likely.
0: Right, you're probably not going to do as well on that test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're going to be so tired and groggy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, you know. I want to thank you for for joining us today. Sleep Uh, is a big big topic, and it was a privilege to have you on today. The guys who are actually in the front line doing the research into sleep and sleep um, uh, insomnia disorders really gives us hope that eventually we won't have to take those pharmaceuticals. I hate those things. I hear such horror stories about them. Um, and I know with, we're never going to solve this problem without guys and scientists like you doing the research that you're doing.
1: Thank you, Will. Uh, thanks for having me.
0: It's been our pleasure. Well, that's going to be it for today. If you want to learn more about sleep, of course, you can always go to stress.org. And once again, this has been your host, Will Heckman. I want to thank you all for joining us today. And don't forget to please follow this podcast. And send in those reviews. Remember, your support helps us to keep making these podcasts. I want to remind everyone, just as stress is different for each of us, there is no one stress reduction or management strategy that is right for everyone. So that means you need to join us next time as we explore more stress management strategies and insights. And also, Again, remember to visit stress.org to gather information, tools, and techniques to live a healthier and happier a longer life. And I hope the information you heard today from Dr. Lee and myself will help you find contentment. Thank you, everyone.